0: Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. Listen, let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you are an artist. And Father, we can see that so clearly when we see the, the mountains and we're looking at the Rockies or we're looking at a beautiful ocean or a sunset. But the reality for all of us is it's so hard to see in our own lives how what we feel like is pain and what we feel like is disappointment and what we feel like is failure sometimes are the pieces that you use to put together a beautiful masterpiece. And so today, God, at all of our campuses, in the middle of a series on Job and on disappointment and on pain, we say that we trust you, that you are a great artist, and we give you our lives as the canvas. God, would you do a great work. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. How you can be seated today and, man, welcome on a holiday weekend. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Man, it's so good to see your faces and get to do life with you. And uh, Many of you know this. We've been in this series, and it's simply called Why. And we started it two weeks ago with Jeff teaching a great message. And I'd love for you to go back and watch it if you happen to miss it. But really simply, he asked, why do bad things happen to really good people? And you've asked that question too, right? Why, why are we walking through this? And he taught a great message on that. Go back and watch it. Last week, uh, Timmy taught. And man, Timmy did a great job. If you've read through uh, with us in the Bible reading plan, really this past week, much of it, the dialogue going on in Job has been his friends. And you know this about the book of Job. I want to tell you, his friends didn't give him the best advice. And Timmy asked us the question last week. He said, maybe you remember the table up here. He asked, who's sitting at your table? Who are the people that are speaking into your life? Who are your friends that you've entrusted with a voice into your future? Such a great message. Don't miss that. And then today we get to wrap up this series. And really I'm going to try to kind of give you a summary of all that happened and give you some ways that maybe God can use pain in your life. Now, I want to be honest with you, yeah, maybe you've heard this before, but the Bible is written over 1,500 years, and uh, there's 66 different books that make up the Bible, and there was uh, 40-something different writers that God inspired. They were lawyers, they were fishermen, they were businessmen, they were all different things that God used them to write the Bible. It was written over three different continents and three different languages. And if I had to be honest with you, I think the most difficult book of a Bible is Job, I mean, the the reason for that, it starts out real simply. Jeff uses the first week. He says, Job was a righteous man. I mean, everything about Job, this is happening to a really good person. Job chapter 1, it starts out with all the different ways that Job was blessed and how righteous he was. And it starts out with the enemy, Satan. He comes to God and he says, I believe that Job is righteous, but he's righteous only because he's so blessed. He says, let me begin to attack Job. And so you know this if you've read through Job. The first messenger comes to him and says, hey, you need to understand your cattle, they're gone. The next messenger shows up right after that on the scene and says, your camel, they're gone. The next messenger comes again and says, your sheep, they're gone. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? It's livestock. Well, uh, there was no currency in that day. There was no land owning in that day. Your wealth was established by your livestock, and they're all gone. Next, a messenger comes right after that, and he says, listen, your ten kids, seven sons and three daughters He says, they're gone. And I need you to see this because we talked about this week one just to recap you, but you need to hear what Job's response was. This blues, I can't imagine this. It says, then Job fell to the ground and he worshiped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord's taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. It blows my mind to hear how Job responded in the moments of difficulty and hurt and pain and Here's the thing about teaching this to you. Some of you get this. So so many of you have done this. You've walked through what have been such difficult situations. So many, and I hate to even use the word seasons, but so many seasons of pain. And you have remained faithful. You've encouraged all of us. You have inspired us. And I want to say thank you. man. thank you for your faith. Thank you for not giving up. You have been like Job. Now the hard thing about this is that's just the end of chapter 1. There's 40-something chapters in the book of Job. So the enemy comes back, right back to God, and he says, listen, okay, maybe you were right. Maybe he is righteous, but let me begin to affect Job himself. Let me begin to affect his health. Let's see just how good he survives when I begin to affect Job. So next thing we find Job in chapter 2 is he's out by himself. He's, He's out of the city. He's outside of the gates of the city, and he's sitting in a pile of ashes, and he has broken pottery Ceramic powder, and he's scraping these sores to get rid of the scabs and to begin to drain, I hate to be this honest, but to begin to drain the infection. See, he's covered from head to toe. And then maybe if you maybe if you know this about Job, his wife shows up, and that's not good news. His wife simply says, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. Verse 10. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Now, this is when you know Job is a better man than you, most likely, because he didn't call her a foolish woman. Did you hear that? He says, you're acting like a foolish woman. And so Job survives the wrath of the foolish woman. And so, yeah, right? And then his friends jump in. And so his friends, so listen, basically in a nutshell, his wife says, you need to blame God for this. His friend says, you need to blame yourself. It's something that you've done. And so for the next 30 chapters, the next 30 chapters, uh, basically Job is going, God, why? God, why is all this happening to me? God, where? Where are you in the middle of all this? And these are questions that you and I have asked and many of you were asking right now. And so today, I need to encourage you. The way the book of Job ends is God blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. But you and I are the same. Sometimes we learn the most in pain. Sometimes... Our biggest opportunities come from our biggest obstacles. And there's things we can learn in pain. Here's the first thing. Pain causes us to pause. Can you imagine, Job? He has I, Listen, he's got 10 kids. I have two kids, and I think we stay busy. Man, he was a man of wealth. He was a man of lifestyle. He had all of these things. And as each messenger came to him, what did he do? He had to pause. He had to stop. Pain causes us to react. Pain causes us to pause. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was with one of our house church pastors, and he had just left the doctor's office, and he just found out that he has got cancer. I'll tell you the first thing he did. He called all his family over, and then they cooked out together. Next Sunday, they were right here on this third row at Lincoln Road. They took up a whole row. His whole family was together. Next, he took his wife on a trip. <laughs> what I want you to see is, man, pain caused him to change his pace. You've heard this, right? Pain causes uh, a change of pace and a change of place causes a new perspective. And many times pain can do that for you. It makes us check out of our routine. It gets our attention. It makes us pause and evaluate like nothing else can. Pain causes us to pursue. After we've paused, we've caught our breath once we get a bad diagnosis, once we get bad news. Next, we begin to pursue. If you just found out you have cancer, you pursue a treatment plan. If you just found out you've lost someone you love, you begin to pursue to make arrangements. If you've just found out that, man, listen, you're up against something with one of your kids, or you and your husband, or you and your wife are in a difficult season, you pause. And then hopefully you look to find some counsel. You find a counselor. You find some wise advice. You begin to pursue something to bring about change. The best, the best example of that. you remember the stories in three of the four gospels. It's the woman says for 12 years she was bleeding, It says there was a day where Jesus came into her town, into her village. And I don't know if you can imagine that moment, but you need, I mean, this is thousands of people come when Jesus came. He was at the height of his popularity. He was the miracle man, he was the teacher. And so everyone wanted to be around Jesus. But it says in the story that as he was walking through these streets that were packed with people, he felt someone tug on his robe. And he, can't you just see this? I love to see scripture visually. It's like his disciples are going, what are you talking about, Jesus? Someone's tugging on your robe." There's thousands of people that are rubbing up against you. He says, no, 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 no. Who was it? And then this little woman, right? This woman that had been pushed out from society. Can't you imagine him in that culture, a female that for 12 years had been bleeding? She wasn't welcome with open arms. She was pushed to the side of everything, but she pursued Jesus like nothing else. She had pursued a cure. She had pursued specialists. She had pursued Google if they had it. She had done everything she could do. But when Jesus came to town, she did just like Job. She didn't stop pursuing, and she went after him. And I love that moment in Scripture because, believe it or not, this kind of shocked me. This was one of the only moments in Scripture where Jesus called someone daughter. And that's who he called daughter. Daughter. This was one of the only moments when she touched someone, they didn't become unclean. Instead, she became clean. Such a powerful moment, but I want you to see from that as she pursued him. Man, when pain comes our way, we pursue something. Sometimes it's bitterness, isn't it? Man, sometimes it's alcohol. Sometimes it's rage. Uh, sometimes it's uh, it just begin to spend. Sometimes it's vacation and distance. Sometimes it's isolation. You're going to pursue something in pain. And these two, this woman who had been bleeding and Job, man, they pursued. They ran to Jesus instead of from Jesus when pain came their way. Finally, the third thing you see so clearly when pain comes is it causes us to find our place. Now, this is really, this is what's difficult about, it's, it's painful to teach on pain. I just need you to know that. But it's even more painful because the book of Job finally God speaks all of the questions where are you why is all this happening and Job spends endless amounts of chapters in time saying what happened where are you God I don't understand this and Job's response God's response to Job is difficult but I want to frame it up for you so that you can understand this you know one of the things we say as parents a lot is just real simple a real real deep line uh because I said so you've used it you know you have Right? Why do I have to take a shower, middle school boy? Because I said so. Yeah. Why do I have to put my phone up? Well, because I said so. I'm the parent. Right? Why do I have to do my chores? And what you're saying when you say because I said so is you're saying, I understand some things that you don't. I'm a parent. We, we have different roles in, 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 in society and in culture and in our home. I'm the parent and you're the child right now. And because I'm the parent, I've done some things. Listen, I've sat in a classroom next to a stinky middle school boy. You don't want to be that guy. So go take a shower. You see what I'm saying? We understand things because our roles are different. And what God says when he breaks the silence and he speaks to Job, he says, where were you when I formed the earth? Yeah, he kind of he goes off on Job. I mean, he says, where were you? Chapter 38, verse 4. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Okay, let me give you an easy one. Where were you when I created the sun? How about the ocean? What about the galaxies? What about the constellations? Can you rise your voice to the level of the clouds? Verse 35, do you send lightning bolts on their way? I'll give you an easy one, Job. Do you send lightning bolts on their way? This is that moment where you, you've been in an environment like this where, I mean, God is going off. And poor Job is like waving the white flag now. Like, Gosh. Not another lap, not another sermon, not another go. And I'm sorry. You know, you've had those moments in the kitchen where your mom's just going off. And you're like, I wish I wouldn't have said anything. Feel that way, but this is God. And he's beginning to tell Job some things. Like, man, Job, come on. Where were you in those moments? He doesn't stop there. 39, verse 19. Did you give the horse his strength? Or did you clothe his neck with a flowing mane? Did you make him leap like a locust? Uh, Verse 26. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom, Does the eagle soar at your command? You see what he's doing? God is saying, listen, Job, you've got to understand we all have different roles. And my role is I'm God. And at some point, you're going to have to trust me. And y'all, that is so hard, so easy to stand up here and preach that. So hard in the midst of pain to say, listen, I've I've got to trust you. But Job, God reminds Job of his role. I want to tell you what happened to me as I was writing this message, and as I was beginning to plan for this, this was crazy time, and this happens a lot in our world. Uh, this, the first night that I began to kind of explore this and brainstorm, what we're going to talk about on this day, was the night that a severe thunderstorm came through. And in the middle of the night, Katie leaned over, and she woke me up, and she said, hey, man, go turn on the TV. Go. What's going on out there? There's lightning and, and, and thunder. Go, go find out. Are we okay So I got up, and I did like you do, and I went in there, and I turned on the TV, and I began to hear the thing, severe thunderstorm. And in the middle, I've got kids on both sides of the hall over here. My wife's over here. My dog is all up in our bed. She's real scared of thunder and lightning. And and it hit me, what am I going to do about it? I mean, the lightning was popping. It It was like it was daytime. I don't know if you remember that storm. But it was so humbling to realize God brought me in this world, and God can take me out. I mean, it hit me in that moment when the lightning is flashing. I'm going to keep everybody safe. You're in good hands. I'm here. <laughs> what do you do? Man, you, you, you recognize your place. Man, some of you, you have been so blessed, and, and you have such authority, and you have such wealth, maybe, and you have such experience. But at some point, you need to be reminded. I was reminded that night. Man, I, I, you, God, you are God. I am not. And there's something to this where he's beginning to remind Job of your place. God can only do, and God will do what God chooses to do. And at some point, we have to trust that. Now, again, that is so hard. And, in fact, it was, it was really neat. Friday, I was at Walmart. I go to Walmart on Fridays, and I ran into one of the ladies that goes to our church. And since COVID, has been really difficult for her. She's a little older lady. And so she's tried to be real careful who she's been around. But in the middle of all this... She lost her husband. And so she's been isolated. we're going to ask her a little bit about pain. And she's got a platform to speak on pain. And she said, the thing about pain, Craig, you need to remind people you can't get around it. She said, you just have to go through it. And what I want to do to wrap up this series, Wise Talk, really directly to people that you're in that season where you're going through it. I want to give you a few things just to remember. It. And I do this so humbly Because it's so hard to be in that season. The first thing I want to ask you to do is, would you recognize the war? And I love that language because that's what it is. You know, listen, the the Job's sweet little wife, she began to blame God for this. Job's friends, they blame Job for this. Go back to the first of Job. Who's the one that started this battle? It was Satan. Listen, that's who we're in a war against, it's not your ex. It's not your son. It's not your daughter. Man, it is the enemy. Ephesians says it clearer than I can say it. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle, our battle, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. It's against the spiritual forces of evil. Old Testament, New Testament, current test, the one we're up against is the enemy. And listen, if you are in a marriage and you are trying to honor God and live for him and honor and serve each other, the enemy doesn't want that. If you are trying to raise kids that know, love, and follow Jesus and are looking to save souls of people that they're in school with, that's not what the enemy wants. Man, we are in a battle, and I think that's the first thing we've got to take a breath and maybe stop accusing everyone, and we've got to quit having a neutral position. We've got to begin to get on the, I love those offenses. I love the ones that throw the ball around the field. They don't just sit back in a prevent defense, but they're saying, we're going to score. That's who Venture wants to be. We do not want to be a club. We do not want to be a place you show up on Sunday. We want to be a place that's on the offense of saying, we're going out to save and to search for people that are hurt and that are lost. That's what we do. It's a mission. It's a movement. And, man, we want you to join us in the battle. So the first thing, if you're in pain, recognize, man, the pain comes from the enemy. The second thing is, would you invite the right people into your war? I'm gonna tell you, if you could, if you could open up the playbook of the enemy, I'll tell you the number one play, isolation. Get them in isolation. Man, when you get in isolation, no one can understand what it's like to be you. When you get in isolation, no one has ever felt this. Man, when you get alone, you begin having think you think and you have thoughts like he can never be trusted. He'll never love me again. And boy, you can get weird quick when you're by yourself and when you're alone. And you begin to think, no one's going to understand. No one can speak my language. Listen, that could not be farther from the truth. There are people in our congregation, in our family, that have lost children. We've got someone that was here at the 830 Experience that just finished his 110th cancer treatment. He can understand what you're going through when you get that diagnosis. But you've got to be willing to invite people into your battle. I'll give you a great great example of this because it's it's really really important that you invite the right people into your battle. Because you get on a stage like this and you start talking about depression and anxiety. A lot of people don't understand it. But you get neck and you get knee to knee with my wife. She can speak your language. She can finish your sentences. And I need to encourage some of you because you're in that season. I'll tell you when we learn this. We we learn this in disaster relief. Because when a storm comes, the first time we did this, it was, so, it, was, it was a crazy day. We had those terrible tornadoes that came through, all kind of devastation. And we said, come to the church at 9 o'clock, and we're going to go clean up our city. And you guys responded. It was amazing. We had so many people that came. Better to be honest with you, a lot of people came with like a rake and a sack lunch. And we had, we had big trees on people's homes. And we realized, man, the right approach for us is we had to invite the right people to come. And so now when a storm comes, I call my buddy David right here. Jordan's on the front row. His biceps are as big as my legs. His chainsaw's as big as me. And man, he can do some damage. He can clean up the tree so fast because he's the right person to be on the scene. I remember talking to one of our young moms at our church, and she talked about the first time she came back to church after she lost one one of her little girl. And they lost their baby girl, and she came back to church. I said, what was that day like? She said, the day got so much better when Miss Charlie Ray found me in the atrium and she hugged me and she cried with me. And then she said this. I said, well, what did she say to you? Because I'm bad in those moments. Sometimes I say the wrong things. She said, Craig, you don't understand. She didn't say anything. She stood with me. She held me. And she cried with me. And, man, I I need to help you in this because we want to fix. I've made so many mistakes in this. I have, I have left the people I love the most deal with a lot of emotions and pain, and I, I haven't asked the right questions, and I haven't engaged, and I'm learning. Man, just be present. Just be there in those moments. We've talked so much about pain. Let's talk about this for just a second. How do we help those that are in pain? First thing you do is you just, less is more. Talk less. Be there more. The second thing, you can't fix it If you could fix it, you already would have. They already would have. They're smart people. You can't fix it. Don't try. Just be there. Finally, be a guardrail. That's what my buddy Ryan told me. He said, in the middle of all those moments, he lost his father. He lost a baby in the middle of this. His other son was in the hospital. It's just such a difficult scene. He said, what I needed people to do was just be a guardrail for me. The train has come off the track, but I need you just to hold it up until we can get back on there. Men, we're good at that. But I need to give you permission to engage. You won't say the right things, but your presence is so valuable. Just be a guardrail. Give them a schedule. Give them a routine. Jump in there with them. Join your wife in the struggle. The enemy wants to use every time something bad comes. Let me tell you what he's doing. He's using it as a divider. And you're going to handle grief this way. She's going to handle grief this way. And you're going to get on down the road, and the enemy's going to use it to do you like this. And, man, you're going to have to fight to come over here and capture her heart again. Speak her language, and it's not easy. I'm trying to learn how to do that too, but you can do it. Man, join people in their grief. Don't make them fight alone. Let the walls down. Let someone in. Less is more. Third thing, the last thing to speak to, if you're in that season, you're in that day where just pain is what you're facing, is would you remember in the dark what God showed you in the light? There were moments, and in the dark, you can't feel joy. You can't feel hope. You don't think depression's ever gonna lift. You think no man can ever be trusted. I wanna tell you something, it's gonna shift. There is a day, will the pain leave? We're not promised that. And that hurts to have to be that honest. But I can tell you this, it will shift. And Jesus will join you in the pain. The thing about the Old Testament, now listen to this, this is really cool, the thing about the Old Testament is it points to the New Testament, okay? It points to something that's to come. The thing about the book of Job is it points to Jesus. The thing Job didn't have when he was dealing with God is he didn't have a mediator. This is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus came for you and me. He was stuck talking to God. He needed someone to come and to die on the cross for you and for me, and it was Jesus. Job paints points to Jesus, the pain that we face, The distance that we feel. It points to the cross. We need someone to come for us. It was Jesus. Jesus points to a day where we'll be in heaven with him for eternity. Man, Jesus meets us in the pain. I wanna ask you to keep fighting, don't give up too soon. The chapters, it's overwhelming. You ready? 37 of the 42 chapters in Job, God was silent. But then he breaks the silence in chapter 38. And this can be the day, this is the moment for you to say, I'm going to hang on until God breaks the silence. Man, I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to miss the miracle. I know bitterness is after my heart, but I'm going to lean towards trusting God in this. I'm going to remain faithful because God is going to join me. And I'm not going to forget in these dark days what God showed me in the light. I'm not going to forget in the pressing that, man, God is making new wine. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.